welcome back to Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast. Your host Chris here with Ro, and as promised, we are here uh, to talk about the Toronto Film Festival of 2023. Uh, yes, MTR Network was able to make it back to the Toronto Film Festival this year. Uh, it was a last minute get. I literally put my application in on I think they were due June 20 uh, June 15th. I think I submitted mine June 15th. <clears throat> From Carousel, yeah, he didn't actually. tell nobody. Wanna, he wanna, didn't tell nobody he was doing that. Uh, I, mean, I want to go. It was literally a last minute thing. Didn't think I was gonna make it. I, I had to submit. I submitted it from my tablet. Um, and the funny thing about it is, you have to have a picture. So, and I was like, oh shit, I need to submit a picture. I don't have one. I guess I'm not gonna be able to do it. I ended up finding the one I took from uh, the 2019, <laughs> and I was able to submit that. So I submitted it, and I was like, we'll see what happens. <coughs> I, man, I appreciate your fuck it feels because there's been some good stuff at the festival. So yeah, so I'm glad um, one of us got to go and watch stuff. Yeah, so um, did it um, and but I uh, unlike the first year I went where I just kept doing, I wanted to actually go and enjoy myself and not just feel like I'm working the entire day. So I set a limit. I only no more than ten films. I think I ended up doing only nine. Um, because again, I go. To, Think about going to these film festivals, man. Especially when you're in the, you're, it's so freeing when you're an independent critic going to film festival because you really do have a fuck it freelance feel. Like you're just like, eh, I don't fucking feel like doing it. Whereas you can see everybody else is like they're stressed and panicked and they're trying to get into films and they're, oh, if they miss it and they're missing something that their their editor wanted or even trying to get the. So they give us ten, uh, uh, ten public tickets, but we have to go into a queue to get them, and it's such a pain in the ass because you can never get the ones you want. Right, you almost never get the ones you want, and you can see people are stressed and things like that. And me, just like, oh fuck it, okay. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And then I'll go to the I'll go to the press industry and if they're available, and I'm just like, oh. you know, everybody else is lining up early. They're in rush lines and doing all this. I'm like, I'm not doing any of that shit. <coughs> so yeah, I, I don't. I like like the thing I I've always liked about film festival is because. You know, usually the way we do it is I get to bunch watch a bunch of films and I tell you and Phenom about which ones I think are really cool. And then like we kind of, you know, we draw out our festival coverage throughout the year. We don't necessarily always try to push it out during festival week or weekend. And that's something that we do more. That's not necessarily the norm, but I like not being rushed because then I can say things to you like I'm gonna watch everything in the midnight section and see which ones that we should try to catch later and talk about a lot of places. Don't, their editor in chief doesn't give you the luxury of doing that. Right. No, you gotta see the big. So uh, a perfect example of this, right? So it was either the day. Uh, it was either the the. So the festival ran uh, from the seventh to today, which is the seventeenth, I believe, right? Or it was the eighth to the seventeenth. Whatever the, the Thursday was. Yeah. I can't remember what Thursday was. I don't think I have my phone in front of me right now. I don't know what time is, sir. Yeah, what, I can't. What is time since since COVID? It doesn't exist. Thursday um, seventh. It was seventh. Seventh. So seventh to the seventeenth. Right. So I want to say I was uh, the public tickets opened for us on the third. I want to say on the third is when they announced Ava DuVernay's film Origin was going to premiere or either premiere or going to be at the Tiff Festival. I can't remember if it premiered. They are, I think it was premiering there, right? And I was just like, oh, but I already picked some tickets, right? And picked. So I'm trying to figure out where, if I could try to see that film. And the only time that worked was when it was coming up against a film that was called uh, Boy Kills World. And it stars Bill Skarsgård 
who plays a deaf warrior trained by a mysterious ron, uh, shaman, uh, the the dude from the raid, wall dog from the raid. I can't remember the dude's name. Um, I mean, and so I had a choice between yeah. Origin, which is probably going to be or <clears throat> Bill Skarsgård as some kind of deaf mute ninja warrior thing. Which one do you think? Now, see if I. If I had an editor that I had to answer to, which one do you think they would make me go to see? Right? They would have made you go see Ava's origin, <laughs> but given that you are, in fact, the editor-in-chief, I know you went to go see Bill Skarsgård beat people down. Didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Didn't fucking hesitate. <laughs> Wasn't even a fucking option. Didn't even come. It, like the, on, on the tip side, it says, Bill Skarsgård commits... Bloody martial arts mayhem as a deaf warrior trained by a mysterious shaman to topple a far-flung dystopia in uh, Moretz Moray's uh, loony debut feature. Sign me the fuck up. I mean, what the? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. And Sam Raimi, uh, Raimi was a it was a producer on this. I did not know this when I when I actually first watched until I saw his name pop up at the end. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. As soon as you told me the name of the movie and I went and I saw it, I did in fact see Sam Raimi. I'm like, oh, he has no choice. He has to go here. This, this has yeah. to happen. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we are. Uh, uh, let me just tell you, uh, the film was bloody fantastic as far as I'm concerned. It is. So this is one of those films that they call uh, that at, at uh, you were kind of mentioned and the reason why I jumped to this one right now because it's actually probably the, one of the later films I saw in the festival. But it's their Midnight Madness. So Midnight Madness is the films that, uh, for public screeners, they uh, if they debut them during this. Midnight Madness films are the ones that are always like uh, they literally start at midnight, so you're not getting home until like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. Um, they usually do have. They're usually either horror or there are some bloody martial arts. There's some weird ones in there. There's another one that I wanted to say was like called like Argo Drift or something like that. It was like. That's where I couldn't get I couldn't get tickets into that one, so I, I didn't see that. Uh, There's another one I did see called Kill. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, the ones in the past, what was the? There was one with um. It was uh uh uh. God damn it! Um, Nicholas Cage. Uh, Nicholas Cage. I gotta find the name. There's one that he did. Re, he he did too that people were talking about. That debuted at Midnight Madness. Ah, oh, God, I can't remember. This year? No, it was 2019. I am looking through now. Oh, I believe I watched it. I think you did too. Color Out of Space. That also debuted yeah. at Midnight Madness. So, Midnight Madness, uh, it's got a. It's, these are films that, again, feel like they're very niche. So, it's not like these films. Um,. I would have thought the one that we did when we did um, when we did 2020 film festival and it was uh, remote. What was the zombie one we watched? Remember the Korean zombie film we watched? That would have probably been a Midnight oh. Madness film. I can't remember what the fuck. The it was one where like. people were suplexing people. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were just like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this? This is fucking amazing!" Like, yeah. those are the kind of films that come in the Midnight Madness films. Like, these are the ones that. When the real critics will see them, and not real critics, I don't want to say we're not real critics. When when the snuffy and stiff stiff critics will see them, they probably score maybe a maybe a sixty percent or lower on Rotten Tomatoes. More like a hundred, huh? Yeah, and we're like the hundred. We're like fan the score. Fuck, the, yeah, the fan scores are like 
out of this war is because they're built for that, right? And so, um, Boy, Boy Kills World was one of those films for me. It, it is, it, it's got some weird pacing. The acting's kind of weird, but it's honestly just fun. That's what it was. It's uh, Get the Hell Out was the name of that film that we talked about. Uh, the the, yes. the Korean zombie film. Uh, yeah, that was fucking fantastic. I mean, but um, we also saw like Wally World and Prisoners of Ghostland were both midnight movies with Nick Cage from mm-hmm. TIFF. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of yeah. live there. Yeah. So I'm just saying. So yeah. So Boy Kills World is it's kind of weird because it also has this like <clears throat> this weird. Um, I didn't know this at the time. It was a weird, not just dystopian, but futuristic type world. It it almost wants to be like. It's got it's got some mixes of um, Hunger Games in or Battle Royale in it a little bit, uh, but really it it knows why you're there. You're there to watch people have crazy action and killing people. The ending I will say is a little unfulfilling in some ways, but again, this is one of those films that you're there to just watch a lot of people get fucked up in different ways, like getting stabbed and heads cut off and weird things. Like there's a weird thing where <clears throat> there's a character. So Bill Scarter character is, is, is deaf. So he, but he reads lips, but he runs into There's another character that he runs into <laughs> at one point in this film that he's talking to another character in another, in, in some kind of weird, it's not another, it's not supposed to be another language, but for some, he either mumbles or something like that. And so, uh, Bill Scarlett can't understand it and so he makes up what it is and it's like they try to translate that onto what he's thinking he's hearing into scenes on the, uh, it's fucking hilarious it's just absolutely hilarious and you're just like you don't understand like any, how, anything's going on it's I'm, I'm dying it, it makes it so much more fun and um, again the action is, is, is pretty straight I mean it feels like I'm wondering if what's the guy's name I don't. I want to keep calling him the guy from the raid. <clears throat> he, uh, was it Yayan Ruhan or Rihan or what? I don't know you, if he you did. You're about to help me. I have fucked up messed up this okay. man's name, yeah, but yes, it's Yayan Rihan. Rihan. So um, Rihan. I was going to see if he had done the choreography, but he uh, maybe he did. I don't know who did it because I know he didn't. He do the choreography for the raid too because he's he's not a just, lot of it. Yeah, he's not just an actor. So I'm wondering if he also did a lot of. <coughs> the choreography here, but um, I don't know. I I don't. But probably, although he's fifty four, what does he go? He make make. Come, make uh, listen, I'm uh, okay. I can say this because who is this behind the pay? It's not behind the paywall. I'm going to say something that could probably be getting me in trouble. But I'm going to say there are. I feel like there are certain people. Uh, actually, no. This is not a bad. This is not a bad stereotype. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Asian motherfuckers uh, take care of themselves. So, yes. How old was J- Jackie Chan when he was still doing his own stunts? I know, um, I know, I know. Ming Plus, Wen? he's Indonesian, yeah, Ming- and I mean, I think he actually powers up the more he works. Right, yeah, Ming Wen was doing, like, all of these motherfuckers are, like, yeah, they're not, they're not soft like we are. I'm sorry, you're no. right. If it was, if it was me, yes. Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm 41, I can't, I'm I can't, I, I can't, like I'm 41 that, and can't do my own stunts, and by my own stunts, I mean... Everyday, everyday life, right? You know, Look, I go downstairs sideways. I, I can't. Right, right, I right. Can't. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I got I, 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 I got to use a handrail when I walk up the stairs. 
Yeah. But well, I knew you were talking about when I looked up his face. And I was like, oh, oh, he's the new favorite of everybody who's never paid in decision to movies from John Wick and the duo yeah. at the end where he's like, Mr. Wick. But it, just in case for some reason you don't know who Yana is. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think he did actually do the choreography. I know yeah, he, was on yeah. the, he was on the Red Line team for, it make, it makes so he, for I, the Raid and Raid 2. Because he has. You can tell when he's behind the, the choreography because it has a certain feel to it. It's almost like a dance. Right? It's it's one of my more enjoyable feels I have to see in combat. I get that it might not be as realistic, you know, but it's also not doesn't feel wiry like when you did like uh Crossing Tiger, Hidden Dragon or something like that. It feels very real still, but it feels definitely feels like a very uh uh almost like a dance and it's beautiful to watch. And so it makes and it makes the fights flow really, really well. And um, I fucking love it. So I really enjoy this. This is one of the Midnight uh, Madness films that I did see. Um, and uh, yeah, it was fucking, fucking great. Um, so okay. another, another one, I mentioned this one to you. It is called Kill. And did this one, I think this was also a Midnight Madness film that also premiered there. So this was... Um, this was at India. Um, so the first film, I think, is, is still in... There weren't really that many subtitles for this one. This one definitely had subtitles. It is... Uh, uh, this is the great thing about TIFF. Is TIFF, and this is why I didn't feel as bad coming to TIFF uh, with the actors to write a strike, because they are still an international film festival, so they leaned heavily into that aspect of it. So there were a lot of... And they, and they always have, so it didn't... It actually didn't feel like it was a stretch for them, because they've always... Either promote it, they promote a lot of uh, Canadian films, they promote a lot of diversity, they always promote very heavily overseas films. Uh, okay, they're technically, well, they're not overseas, but they promote heavily international films, especially non Western films. Non Western films and things like that. So, um, yeah, so they had uh, this film called Kill, uh, Star Cross Lovers Tulika and Am- uh, Amir. Find their find their clandestine relationship jeopardized when Tulika's family whisks her aboard <clears throat> the express bound for both New Delhi and an arranged marriage. One second. <coughs> <coughs> Not willing to sit idly by, Emirate and his fellow commando Bali uh, Varesh embark on a romantic rescue mission. But when the train is suddenly stormed by a gang of blade wielding bandits, the stakes are considerably raised. The two French must rely on their martial arts prowess to dispatch the thieves and save the passengers. It is inspired by real-life train robberies that happened in India by a class of criminals known as uh, the, the, the Cots. Uh, I didn't know that part. Uh, if this is what really happens in India, I'm not going to India because, one, <laughs> let me just tell you something. Um, I, call, I, I, was, I think I was talking to you about this last week uh, when we were doing the film for dumb money or either dumb money or, or, or a, uh, a haunting in Venice. Then I said it was like the raid, but on a cramped train. That, that, uh-huh. That's what it is. Again, it's not as, again, it's not as smooth as you would get with Yion's, uh, kind of, um, choreography and things like that. But it's still like, it, it goes from, it, it's not that smooth, but it, it goes to brutal. So I would think, you know, actually, you know what? That was, I was the wrong comparison, not the raid. Um, dread. Oh, yeah, because it's not as you. it's not a, because it's not as smooth with the fighting. 
everything is just brutal. Like some more combat choreography. <clears throat> huh? It's some and, more like combat combat choreography. Yeah, because they're commandos, but they don't have any weapons. Okay. So it's like so it's not like guns and things like that, but it's still brutal. Um there is I mean there like literally there's like one gun on the train. <laughs> um but it's like using like the environments and 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 bashing people's skulls in and going over the board, like literally pounding somebody's face into mush. Yes. I mean, um, you're speaking my language. You know that. Well, yeah, I know I am. I, I know, I'm, this is just this is these are the kind of films for, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, you you'll love this. Um, also, anybody can get it. Men, really? women, children. Uh, there's a lot of. So people does that who, mean the girl he's going to save can fight? Doesn't mean that she can fight. No. What is that? Why you just means Talika ain't safe. It just means, I, like I said. Nobody's okay. safe on this, this, okay. this. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, anybody can get it. I mean, there's some kids that get it. And when I say kids, I mean some kids. Like children. 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 Yep. Oh. Yeah. One of the, one of the like, and it's it's to the point of too. It's like I you know these films are you know I enjoy these films when you guys know me. I'm like I ain't trying to sit there and read a movie the entire time anyway. But when you got there's I, I, I wish I knew uh, let me see if I can find the guy's name because I think the lead guy and you can tell this might have been like his first acting because he's like overacting a little bit and he's not like that great. Oh, they don't have a picture so I, I can't I don't know if that's the guy but um but the the guy that plays like his his nemesis like the the head bad, bad guy oh that guy pure evil pure just scumbag i want you to die so bad i mean that guy that guy knew what the assignment was did it it's it's that thing of like he's like um wilson goggins when he plays a racist we were just like god i want you to die you're you're too committed you're you're too committed to this you're too good at this i yeah, like he, like, I can't spoil it because it's just like the scumbaggery of this dude. <laughs> it's so good. You're just like, but then also it's just this weird thing that they do. And I think this is, this is the thing that makes this film different is they make you almost want to care for the bad guys because on the bad guys side, the bandits, they're like a family. So they're all bandits. Yes. But they're from the poor, the poorer side of the country, right? And so they've all formed this banded thing, but they're all like a family. So when some of them die or get killed or anything like that, you're like, oh shit, you did kill his dad. So I guess they're going to have to fuck you up now. Cause like, I mean, yeah, they robbed the train, but that, that was his father over there you killed, right? And so that was his brother you, whose head you smashed into the wall and things. So now you're like on, on this type thing. So you almost like care for both sides a little bit. Um, you're stuck on a vengeance loop that's aggressively right. violent. No, that's what it is. It's like it's a nonstop vengeance loop, and and that's the perfect way of putting it. Because then you're like, because then at the end you're you're looking at all of like uh, Talika's family. They're the rich people, so you're like, huh. I feel the commando because he's you know he's outside and he, he's trying to you know fight for the woman he loves who's being sold off into this arranged marriage. I can I can side with him. 
the band is i mean they try to rob the train they don't have and, and really the person uh, they're robbing from the rich to give to the poor so i mean kind of understand here so you're kind of like on this thing like going like damn it i know who the bad guys really are supposed to be but almost then let's see how this plays out right <laughs> But it's actually, I, I, I actually enjoy it. Do, do we know whether or not the kill's been picked up yet? Was there an announcement? I do Did not we... know if kill's been picked up yet. They made I a lot say of this, You aren't. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you're in good company. Every single person who saw it has it sitting at 100% on tomato readings right now. Yeah, no, it's, it was absolutely fun. I, I th- actually think I came in second in the People Choice Awards. I. Okay. It might have won the no no. It came in second at the um, Midnight of Madness up uh, awards. It only came in uh, second to a film called Dicks. <laughs> did you happen to see Dicks? I did not happen to see Dicks, unfortunately. Okay, just, it's a musical. It lost to a musical. I'm gonna have to hunt down Dicks. Yeah yeah yeah. That, okay, I'm gonna stop. We need I'm gonna no, full Dicks the musical. I'm gonna start saying. You might have to look title? for you might have to look for Dicks the musical because uh, let me see. That sounds dirty. All right, so you caught you saw the movie that was the German South African U.S. entry Boy Kills World, and yeah. you saw Kill, which is the indie. Yep. And both of them are when you can watch them for you. Huh? Yes, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything that you really wanted to see in the uh, midnight that you didn't get a chance? Yeah. To? So it was like something called like Argo Drift or something like that. Let me see if I can. That is one, and that might have gotten picked up. Let's see. I that's the one. The one. The first one I wanted to go see, and it was. The public tickets of that were completely sold out. Everybody wanted to see that, apparently, too. Is it, is it Argo or Agro Drift? Agro Drift. And the, the, oh the, the I in Drift is really a one. Oh, it's the Spring Breakers, dude. Yeah. Okay, that's why it's Harmony. Okay. Yeah. 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 So this is okay. the one. Okay. Could not, get, could not get a ticket to see this. I absolutely wanted to see this. Wanted to see it. It's, um, they apparently, they apparently uh, filmed the entire thing in this infrared photography type deal to make it uh, feel like it was hallucinatory, and so mm-hmm. I really wanted to see this. So I did not get to one of the big ones I wanted to see. It's it's really honestly only one of the, only one that I didn't get to see that I I I, I kind of feel bad about not getting to see. So okay, because I mean Harmony Korean has been traumatizing me since kids. Mm-hmm. Because you do know that's who the guy is, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who did kids and Spring Breakers. So he's been leaving me fucked up in the head. Yeah, the People's Choice Award uh, for Midnight Madness was Dicks the Musical, and the runner-up was Kill. So, yeah. So okay. Love Kill. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to put those on my radar because yeah. they sound amazing. I, you know me. I like. Yeah, these, these, these are ones that are just, to me, they were fun. Like, Boy Kills World. Is one of those ones again. Miles my favorite because it is a little bit over the top in some cases. I would say Kill is definitely the better film. Um, okay, just because, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I I think both are definitely very very enjoyable. Um, so 
there's that. So let's see what else we got on my list. So those were the Midnight Madness films. I got those out of the way first. Um, <clears throat> well, we already talked about uh, Dumb Money, and again, um, it's now showing in theaters. We 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 have, you can go listen to our whole review on that. Some other films I I watch. I'll I'll leave the the what I consider my the best film I saw. I'll leave for last because it actually it actually won the uh, well second best. Uh, the well one of the best. Uh, it actually won the uh, People's Choice Award. But um, Reptile. So that was the first film I saw here. Uh, Reptile is um, who is this? Was um, when a realtor is stabbed to death in a show home. Homicide detective Tommy Nichols has no shortage of subjects to investigate. The body was discovered by the victim's boyfriend and colleague. Uh, Will, with whom she fought the night before, the victim's ex, to whom she was still married, is possibly a drug dealer. Meanwhile, an eccentric man with a long-standing grudge against the Will and his family seem to take an unhealthy interest in the case. All these people have motive, yet none of the none of the existing hypotheses feel entirely convincing to Tom, who recently moved to Scarborough, Maine, with his wife Judy. The couple have been living in Philadelphia, where Tom was a partner with a detective convicted of several crimes. Um, this is directed and written by Grant Singer, uh, stars Benicio Del Toro, Alicia, Alicia Silverstone, um, Carl Glesman, uh, uh, Justin Timberlake. Um, yeah, this is, this one was just okay to me. It, 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 it starts off, I think, doing well, right? It starts off, I think, doing a good job of trying to hide what the, some of the reveals are, you know, and it does that thing where it tries to give you like these hints and things of like who's really the killer and this bigger, the bigger story that's going on here and things like that. But it, it does that too many times to the point that it, it does, it does too many false starts and misleading and things like that. And then when it unfolds, you're just like, Oh, that was almost obvious. Why'd you do it that way? Yeah. And, and like, it sucks because again, Del Toro is Del Toro, right? I mean, he's he's fucking great, right? He he's a he's a great actor. Um, you know, he's one of those. He's a great actor, even though he's one of those people that feels like he's bored with acting. You know, it's like. But I've thought that since his very first movie. Yeah. So. But he's good. He's like I feel like he's bored with it, but he's also like. It's almost like the arrogance of I'm bored, but I'm going to do it anyway and show you that I can. You know, it's just that kind of thing. It's just like, but then when he turns it on, you're like, shit. Like, there's a moment right. in here where, and they kind of, they, 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 I, I don't think it was happening, but they almost like hint that they're, they're having some work done at his house and that the contractor might be trying to make a move on his wife or maybe he likes his wife or something like that. His wife do dancing all the time. And so when the guy shows up and she had invited him to come out uh, to, to line dancing and things like that. There's a moment when she's off somewhere and and Will, the Taurus character, does that switch that Del Toro does in the movie where all of a sudden he gets really serious and things get really real and you feel really, really you feel really, really scared for this man's life? And you're like, oh. ah, yes, this dude is you're like that, that that's the thing that gets me with Del Toro, right? You're like, oh, he's not really acting, and then you see him to a switch in the movie and you're like Oh shit! No, this motherfucker has been acting. Holy shit, that motherfucker's scary, right? He has that moment where you're just like, because then he does that, right? And his wife comes over, and it's like, he's like, yeah, you want to go dance with my wife? 
go dance with my wife. And the guy just sitting there looking like, look like he's about to piss his pants. He's like, don't worry, worry, but I go dance with her myself. Then it's fine. And you're just like, what just happened? What just do leave, leave now, leave, leave, leave while you can leave. Like it's like, he's like, that's the kind of guy you have in this lead role. And okay. he's good at it. And I enjoyed watching it, but it's just the rest of the film. You're just like, it's so paint by numbers. It's just, it's so, Okay, you're trying to weave this story, you're trying to weave this tale, but not everything's catching. Not everything is is not everything it, it doesn't work, right? Um it's good enough, but it's one of those films that you were just it just falls into like is the first time I'm watching the festival and by the end of the festival I almost forgot about it. Right? Oh, and I only wow. and I only saw nine films. So Okay, well Right. right. I mean I'm always down to watch Benito Del Toro do anything. What's well, coming on next Netflix on October six? So, I yeah. it was September twenty Uh, well, it says on the picture here it says September six, so maybe it's on the twenty ninth. So I don't know. Netflix maybe. says the twenty ninth, okay. but you know Netflix like to lie. So. Yeah, so maybe maybe they will. So maybe it's one of the ones they push, but yeah, <coughs> it might be. So. It still says the twenty ninth. But that makes sense. You know what? This being a Netflix film, I was like, you know, to me. It's it's Netflix police procedural. If it was anything better, then I would say putting on Netflix would be a criminal offense. This is yes, Netflix. I mean, see, this is the thing. I feel like we had gotten out of this groove of, oh, this is supposed to be going to streaming. And now we're going back into the yeah. dump. I feel like this to is streaming. Yeah. And that does not make me happy to hear. It, it does not make me happy to hear either. Like, to me, I, I would have expected... And to me, it doesn't even feel like this is a dump for, for streaming. It felt like it was just, eh, good enough. Like, it is, it takes cause it's his, is it because it's his first movie? It Did might, you not know how so to this, pull Justin and Alicia up to Benicio's level? No, because actually, I think Alicia and Justin actually did fine. I think they're good. I think it's, I think it's the writing. I think it's the story. I, they they have no, a I mean, good. This Benicio another, did have to step in to co-write, so there's uh, that. Might that might explain it? I think I think it's the writing. I think it's the story here. Okay. Um, it it tries too hard. Like I said, it tries too hard to to, to cover up what's really happening, and then in the end, mm-hmm. when it all unfolds, you're like, you guys tried too hard. Yeah, like, you can't do, aim for Soderbergh if you ain't ready. Right, they'll, they'll come in, like, you you introduce the creepy guy that you're like, oh, yeah, obviously the creepy guy did it. Well, no, of course, that's too obvious. And then, uh, like, this is not really a spoiler, but, like, because, again, uh, slight spoiler here, but not really a spoiler. Benicio Del Toro character did not do this, did not, did not commit the murder. And the reason why I'm saying that is, when you open the film, you first meet his character, the wife has been stabbed, and Benicio has this big cut on his hand. So you're like, oh, ooh, maybe that's what it is. No, how'd he cut his hand? Did he, is this going to wrap all the way back to that? Never go back to it ever again. So that's why I feel comfortable saying this now. Never, never bring that up again. It never even plays, never, never breaks suspicion on him. They don't even use it enough to make it seem like, well, maybe it is. It's literally one of those things of like, if you as yourself didn't put, put it together that, um, that people that get stabbed all the time, uh, that stab people, sometimes cut themselves, especially if they're using a knife that's not built to have a guard there, that they cut themselves, you wouldn't even thought about it yourself. So it's like, but they don't do anything with it. So literally, I, I, that was the first thing I, I saw when I opened this film. I was like, oh, wait, why does he have a bit cut in his hand? I mean, that's too, almost too obvious and too soon to put that in there. But like, 
hmm, that's interesting, right? Nothing done with it ever again. Things like that, that Got like it. just annoyed the shit out of me going like, you're trying to drop these hints to try to throw people off, but all they do, they don't lead anywhere. They're not even like interesting. Just, they're not, they don't even become interesting distractions or interesting um, red herrings, right? Or false. It's just, yeah. So I think that's the problem with Reptile. Like I said, it, it'll be very, for, it, you know, good performance is very forgettable. Um, another film I watched, uh, and I have, did I put this on there? Yes, I did. Uh, Gonzo Girl. This is uh, directed by Patricia Arquette. I think she also, did she also write this? I think she did. Uh, no, screenplay was by Rebecca Thompson and Jessica Codwell. So, this has Willem Dafoe, Camilla Morone in it, Patricia Arquette, uh, Ray Nicholson. Um, yeah. So, let's get the description of this. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do when you go so, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now I'm scared. So, in, uh, so Gonzo Girl, aspiring writer and current bartender Ali Russo, has been handpicked to be the newest assistant to legendary father of Gonzo Journals and Walker Reed. Uh, the film is based on the semi autobiographical 2015 book of the same title by Cheryl Della Petra, who survived a three day trial period involving a 44 Magnum, purple pyramid acid, violent vo- verbal outbursts, brushes with fame and the law, and a bevy of peacocks and a whole lot of cocaine to work for Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson. Um, so that's what this film is. It's, uh, so in the early nineties, Walker living in the, uh, uh, Rocky mountains and the after party of his heyday to work on a new novel to revive his readership. He's under constant pressure from the public, uh, publishers and hanger ones like, uh, hangers on alike. His longtime manager, Claudia is around as is a newish love interest. Devaney flanked by a garden of flower children growing in the wrong air. Enter Ali, who follows eight other assistants who couldn't hack it and high and high out of their minds flew the proverbial coop. It's not long before Ali realized that Walker, who hasn't written anything good in fifteen years, and who whose reference of champions is a rail and a shot as a rail and a shot, is stuck inside a gilded rut and getting pages out of him is a Sisyphan endeavor. She Sisyphan? Yes, Sisyphan, sorry. She uh so she starts writing her own story, opening this year's uh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. So this feels really convoluted. It, it, you know what it is? It's a shorter, less convoluted version of Babylon. When we talk about, but we ended up. That's that's not. I don't. Are good. No. Remember how I told you that we said that? Well, I say this because the first twenty minutes of Babylon is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen on seen on film. It really still is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen on film. But then it got to be like, what was the point? And it dragged out. This doesn't drag out. It's only 107 minutes. Um, it was, it's short. But it's just chaos the entire time. I think that since this is built off of this book in this three-day trial period uh, that uh, Cheryl went through, um, it's kind of like that. There's some really great lines of dialogue, I will say. Again, the one thing I will say, even for films that might not have been the greatest for me, the film festival, there have been some fantastic performances. And I have to say, Willem Dafoe is 
Willem Dafoe does not get enough flowers for being absolute fucking deranged on film. We know he is. I think, um, I will say this. This is actually this is something that I can say. You know, between this and, uh, between Willem Dafoe and Michael Keaton, I am so glad that these are, these two men are continuing to get their flowers this late in their careers. You know, we give a lot of old white men flowers, you know, for some of the things they do, but, but you know, uh, I have another film I saw with, with uh, Michael Keaton also at this film festival. I can say that he was also great in, I, and he actually directed that. Um, I just say, Willem Dafoe is, I don't know how much of this is him in real life or whatnot. Willem Dafoe is a fucking deranged maniac. Everyone I don't know how much. Says he's really sweet and nice and calm. And that's that, and that, and you know what? That's that. That would actually make sense. Because the, then his acting makes it freaking fantastic. <coughs> he is okay. A maniac in the so. So he's Hunter S. Thompson. He does a yes. good job as Hunter S. Thompson. Yes, he is Hunter S. Thompson, and that's that is what he's supposed to be. He is supposed to be Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, Camilla is, Russo is supposed to. Hallie is supposed to be. I guess what Cheryl is. the The problem I have here is. It seems to downplay the lead character's consent and willingness to go along with the craziness, right? Like, right out the gate. I, and I, and cause I never read the book, so I don't know what, what Cheryl went through and, and how her book is written and how it's supposed to be or things like that. Right out the gate, I'm like, I mean, you knew everybody else. Like, why are you taking that Coke? <laughs> right? That was the first thing I had in my mind. I was like, why are you sniffing that Coke in this car with this old white man? Why are you doing that? You bitch, it's your first day. <laughs> you just got here. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh dear. Coke and acid, nigga. What? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean. I guess it, I, I. I don't know. It, you know what it is? I'm I, not it, taking a job with Hunter S. Thompson, considering I've never known anyone to say that he wasn't in a hallucinatory hole. So, and that's just I, I'm not I, living you know on what acid. Is? Just in I. I cannot appropriately, I cannot appropriately judge this movie because you know what I, I realize what it is. I'm not white enough. I can honestly say I am not white enough for Gonzo Girl. I this was this was a last minute pick for me because something else fell through, and mm-hmm. so I went to I was like oh fuck it it's a it's a personal injury screener for personal injury screeners I just got I just got to show up right I don't have to do anything special I just show up in line and I can go to the screener I was like I got some fucking time so let me go. And um, yeah, guys. Uh, it like I said, uh, the line I have here is: it makes it hard to tell if the story is, a, is a, if this is a story of a young woman manipulated by a toxic older man, or if this is someone who let her ambitions get the better of them and is trying to make it seem like they, it just happened to them. I could not tell from watching the film. Right on the one hand, it's like, oh yeah, this is definitely a toxic older man that is out of his fucking mind. But also, I'm like, but everybody knows he's a toxic old elder, older man who's out of his mind. Why the fuck would you go to work for him? Right? Like, literally, the first day you show up, he's supposed to be writing. No, no. Sorry. Sorry. First day you show up, he's out in the field chasing after his girlfriend who is 30 to 40 years younger than him with a shotgun, who she's just... Nigga, you hop right back in the car. Why, why is there a second day of work? Right, that's, that's my thing, right? That's my thing. And so that's the thing. I mean, like I said, there's some really great lines, some really great dialogue here. There's like Defoe gives some really great monologues in this. Uh, like there's a lot of things that he does and says that are, that are great. I just 
don't that's not supposed to be the point of the film though and so he's fantastic i just i couldn't understand anything else that was going on it, it i don't just, know it just how too much. anybody would think that you can make a movie that <laughs> has hunter s thompson as a figure in it and have someone as good as willem dafoe playing in it and not end up in a fear and loathing fever dream because it's hunter s thompson mm-hmm. now like everything else feels like it would just kind of fall into being background noise and weird shit that happens around him mm-hmm. and that's what it is like he shows up and starts doing things and it's just like you know and it then turns into this thing with her uh having because his writing's good so she's having to rewrite his stuff for him and the, so it's like it became the thing as it was like is this trying to be like you're writing the stuff for him because he's not good enough at it anymore. Like, I, I, I couldn't understand what the purpose of the film was. Right? Like, is this? This feels like it almost because it it, it didn't want to go there in terms of making him be the toxic old white man. But at the same time, that's what it kind of felt like it's, it's supposed to supposed to be that this dude was out of control and that was un, unacceptable. But you continue to go and went back and went, went forward and went okay for it. And there, there wasn't like a financial reason or I had to do it. It was literally an ambition of, but I want this break. I want to do this. So it's like, what, what are we, what are we doing here? I just did. So I just, I just don't understand what it, I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Yeah. So. You can't not commit to something like, I, I mean, I really, I really, it's, I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. Maybe it's because I mean, Patricia Arquette is a really great actress, but she is a person who has always seemed like she's only like half a step off being all over the place mm-hmm. in like her public presentation. So maybe that's the problem. Like if you've got, if you're not all the way willing there to go there to talk about, you know, the things about objectifying women, um, mm-hmm. you know, consent or, you know, ambition and what you do for it, if you're not if you're not really willing to give in and go into, you know, never meet your heroes kind of introspection, it all comes off as like convoluted and hollow. Right. Right. So that doesn't sound very interesting. I'm glad it's not longer than 107 minutes, but still. Yeah. So. Um, can't carry the whole damn movie if the movie isn't actually supposed to be about him. Right. Right. So. Um, so I mentioned this before, Michael Keaton's. Um, Knox goes away. Uh so this is uh he is uh directing this. So after a job goes horribly wrong, John Knox resigns himself to acknowledge that his contract killing days are over and starts gathering his assets to cash out. One night though, his trained son Miles, James Marson, shows up at his door covered in blood and barely able to speak. He begs his father to help covering up a violent crime. Knox seems only went one way out, developing a tricky scheme with multiple steps that require preci- precise execution. He lists the, the comments of his friend Xavier, played by Al Pacino, to, to keep him on track and begin a race against the clock. His quickly deteriorating condition, as and as his quickly deteriorating condition, as the police begin to close in on the investigation. Um, so again, this is directed by Michael Keaton. Um, the synopsis doesn't do a good job to say that basically he has uh, Michael Keaton's character is is um, John Knox is diagnosed with a condition. That is not Alzheimer's, but it's more aggressive than Alzheimer's. So he's basically losing his mind. Well, uh, losing rapid onset dementia. Yeah, he's got a rapid onset onset dementia. So, <clears throat> so 
And so he starts, he needs to get out of the game and stuff like that. But his son comes to him and is like having, having done something and he needs to, you know, like you said, you know, cover up this crime. And so I actually like this. I actually like this film. Um, could have been, could have been more slicker, uh, and things like that. Um, I, I think that I expected more from, 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 from James Morrison. I, I didn't get it. Um, <clears throat> that part of that could have been that he's again playing against Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton has just been killing every role he's been in. So there's that. James Marston um, is a lazy actor. And that's what it feels like. It felt like I, 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 I thought that he didn't have a big role here, but I thought we could have gotten more from him, especially with being a, a, a side Michael Keaton. And I blame the fact that he's been able to kind of coast in that I'm cute, yeah. but not so unapproachably cute. But hey, I can be the Sonic the Hedgehog guy land mm-hmm. of movies, 27 Dresses land. Yeah. And he's never really been pushed to be beyond that. Yeah. So, um, Which is to, sad. Yeah. So this movie is kind of like, what does it mean to lose a part of yourself when you're still trying to take care of the people around you? Um, it, it's, it's kind of a sad thing because you're watching the, you know, he has weeks, not months. So he has weeks to try to throw the cops off of his son for something, uh, clean up his affairs, uh, and the people around him and things like that. And you're watching the clock tick down and, you know, even him having to, to deal with Al Pacino character, the, the, their relationship, right, is it, funny. Because, you know, uh, Xavier's the one that has to call him all the time. It's like, had to call him one time and tell him, hey, buddy, uh, what I want you to do is uh, take the passcode off your phone. He's like, why? Because, like, what happens if you need to call or something like that and you can't remember the passcode to get in your phone? So things like that, you're like, oh, shit, that's actually a good, eh, that's a good friend. Thank, thanks for telling me that. That's actually a good, a good thing. Um, I've seen some reviews saying that it kind of lacks some of the thrills. Um, I, I didn't see this as a thriller. It, it, it maybe was pegged as a thriller. I, it's not, to me, it's not a thriller. It's more of a, a crime drama, if you will. It's not supposed to be a thriller. Okay. You're not supposed to... I mean, the, you, there is a mystery of, like, how is he going to get his son out of this very obvious mess? And you're watching him... And again, you're watching him do things, and you're like, is he doing it right? Because he's got dementia, so how do you know that he's doing things right? So I guess there's a little thrill element there, but that's not the point of this film, I never thought. I, I didn't think the point of the film was that. It's watching this man who who again he's estranged from his son because his son found out what he did his son found out he was a fucking contract killer <laughs> right so he hadn't talked to his son I mean, in, surprise <laughs> right hadn't talked to his son in 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 years hadn't talked to his wife in years right and so he's having to put his affairs in order and do all these things and you're like you know watching that go down like to me it's not it wasn't supposed to be about a thriller it's supposed to be about that and i think Again, for and that limited scope, this film did what I wanted to do. It's like, um, again, to me, I think he did a better job directing himself than uh, Kenneth Ragnar does directing himself. <laughs> I mean, um, so there's we've there, had this discussion, right? <laughs> so I think, I think, I think there's that. Um, but it's even then, how do you direct yourself when you're when every time you're directing yourself, you're technically a new person on screen? Because you don't remember what you did, right? That's a hell of a question. And, and right, and, and so, you know, there are times he wakes up and he's just like, "What?" You, you can see him just staring there. What am I trying? What am? What is? What was I trying, What was I supposed to be doing? What am I? 
oh yes, this gotta do this, you know, and it, you see that this is this final thing of I fucked up with my family. I am trying my best to do right for my son, right? So this is the best thing I can do, and so yeah, the and 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 what they end up doing at the end, I mean, it actually worked out pretty well. So yeah, I I yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have gotten this idea <laughs> that thriller is supposed to mean a very specific thing instead of being a genre marker. And <laughs> I don't know what to do with those, but this sounds like a really interesting crime drama. This And that definitely puts it in the mystery thriller category. And I'm down to watch Michael Keaton direct. You're, yeah. Like you're saying, it's like solid direction, good performance. It's just, you know, not all the pieces came all the way together because, yeah, you know, I, James Marsden. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think the problem is James Marsden. The the other things around him, even some because it's the the even James Martin Marson's part is is small. It's just even his acting. It's just like I think when he was on the screen, that's what what, what threw me out. When James Martin's not on there, but we we're dealing with other folks. It's 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 fine, you know. I I have no problem. And again, the interaction between Al Pacino and, and Michael Keaton was good. So yeah, isn't I, uh, the mom Marsha Gay Harden? Yeah, their their interaction was great too. Um. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a group of people have to have to become a par on scene partnership. Though. Right. Right. That's kind of not fair. Right. When so. you've been the guy who's been a, who does who nobody needs much from except for your pearly white smile and your cheekbones. Right. And that's a, and I think that's the problem. It stands out when you're watching everyone else do this. And it, thank God he only really has to interact with um Michael Keaton and a, maybe a handful of other folks. But it just it it just doesn't. Yeah. When you're comparing those scenes to other scenes, you're like, dude, not even close, not even close. Like, there's a there's a there's a scene in there where uh, John Knox is talking to um, Marsha Gay Harden because that's his that's his wife, uh, right? His his wife that he they divorced, and he's kind of telling her about, hey, I'm going away for a little bit. I'm going to give you some money, you know, that whole thing of putting my affairs in order, things like that. Because he had gotten in, he 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 came got into her house. She was like, she was going to shoot him. She was like, John, how do you get my house? You're like, well, you really should change the key from being in the rock. It's, it's been there for like 10 years, right? So I kind of knew that. Um, but it was sad because we forgot the house. He was asking for his son because he thought that his son was playing basketball in the back. And you're like, your son's grown now. That's not what that is. So, uh. that so you can tell, And you can see that she starts realizing that because he, he he's not telling anybody what he's not really telling anybody what's happening to him. And you can tell that she's starting to realize that something's not there. It's not just him. Not just the game is caught up to him. It's something else. And yeah, so, yeah. wrong. Right. And so, yeah. So that's a really great scene. And you just don't get it with him and Marson, right? But, and again, you can kind of get away because it's like, well, he's never had an interaction with his adult son and things like that. So, but yeah, it's just also just Marson doesn't do a good job. So, um, Yep. So that was Knox Goes Away. Let's see. What else do I have left? Um, so Knox Goes Away. Uh, Alright, so only two more left. So let's talk about um, actually no, three more. So I have The Critic. So do The Critic, Rustin, and then we'll talk about American Fiction. So The Critic. I got like, oh, I'll save it. Okay. Uh, the year is 1936. As the new steward of the London Chronicle, De- David Brooke 
uh, seeks to revive the, the financial, financially troubled daily as the country's most read family newspaper. And the firing line is a longtime theater critic, Jimmy Erskine, whose extravagant prose and personal proclivities, meaning he's gay, so obviously that's played by McCullen. Uh, Ian McCullen. Um, or distasteful to David. Jimmy has, uh, has had a lot to lose an elderly gay man in a culture and legal system deeply hostile to homosexuals, yet he can't resist writing the flamboyantly merciless critiques that are his trademark. Actor Nina Lang, uh, Land, uh, for whom the married David secretly carries a torch, is a regular target for Jimmy's most withering remarks. As pressure to appease his employer mounts, Jimmy concocts a, plan, a plot to entrap both David and Nina, herself secretly in love with a married painter, but with the black shirts taken to the streets amid anti-queer police raids, Jimmy may be grossly under, overestimating his ability to emerge from his elaborate scheme unscathed. Uh, this is directed by Anand Tucker. Stars Ian McCullen, Jemma Arturton, Mark Strong, Ben Barnes. Um, yeah, I, again, this is... Another one that I had a ticket for because it was literally the only thing I had available. Went to go see it. Um, I don't know. This is this is not my type of film, honestly. Um, isn't it now Tucker the dude who did Girl with the Pearl in her ear? Girl with the Pearl earring? I am and not sure. Shot Girl? I'm not sure. Because if so, that is so beyond uh, not that. Do you even know where that wheelhouse is? Because this is, yeah. Yep, he did. Interesting. Okay, okay. This is my wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, how'd you do? Well, I think it would have been an interesting film. I think it just. It was missing something. It had this very elaborate. First of all, the film's only an hour and 30 minutes. But it has this elaborate plot twist of people. It makes assumptions that you have to have about. It assumes that audience is going to pick up on relationships and and what people are doing up front already. Like the whole thing I mentioned about how the editor, uh, the the editor in chief, played by uh, uh, um, Mark Strong, David Brooks, um, is married. And is uh, head over heels over this actress and things like that. Like literally, they do that because Erskine's uh, assistant said, "Oh, look at him! He's tearing up during her performance. He has a thing for her." That that that's where it came from. And I'm like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like, there there was no. It it goes from zero to a hundred in two seconds flat. Like, so you go from that to then cheating on your wife. What? That doesn't make any sense. How does that? Right, and that's the problem. And it's like because of the film is 135 minutes, and it has all these. It wants you to do all these plot twists and all these different things and turns and turns. And I'm like, you ain't got no time for that, dude. You have like, <clears throat> there's like two different betrayals on here, and then you got all this it's like too many relationships you got to establish, and all this connectivity. It's it's too much happening in one film that it's this short, and. That's the problem with this. Like, I actually think I would have liked it. The, the, the performances are great. I mean, Ian McKellen, come on, it's Ian McKellen. You know, and, you know, he's, he's Ian McKellen playing a gay man. So that was, he's really like, now he's really into it too. So it's like, you know, when it's always, it's always great when I see uh, 
the older gay actors finally get to be like a out gay man in their films. It's just, I'm sorry. It just, there's a, there's a, there's a different level of reacting when it comes to Cause they're like, Oh, I can be myself a little bit for, 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 for once. Does I have to pretend? Um, he's a fantastic actor either way, but like, he's just, he's so into it. I, I can't explain it. It's just, when you see it, you'll see, you go, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I get, I get what Chris is saying now. Like he's, he's almost okay. like, he's, he's almost, He's almost over the top with it too. You're like, oh, now you're just now you're just being an asshole about it. You're just. <laughs> but it sounds like he's the only one who's believable. It's not that the others aren't believable. It's that it's that their relationships and their characters aren't given a chance to grow and breathe. Right. Oh, so that's, that's sad. That, 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 there's not enough time. It's like, how do you, you know, Mark Strong doesn't get enough screen time. Right to you're you're he's part of the characters that you're trying to do to 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 entangle him and and get him entangled in this in in this uh web of lies so you can blackmail him and do all this other stuff and do but like how do you do that when you don't have enough time on screen for him right it's like that's the thing at an hour and thirty five minutes there's just not enough time for what this film is trying to do this is a film that I would expect to be two hours and thirty minutes because it's trying to do so much and then on top of that. There's the backdrop of 1930s London. You heard me mention the black shirts. Right? So you just throw that in there, but you don't do anything with it. It's like, well, I mean, they do something with it, but don't really do something with it. It's just, that's the, the problem I have with this film. It's, it, it's lazy. It's lazy and short and throws everything together and thinks that it can just rely on the acting of the actors in there, not just Ian McKellen, but all the actors who do a fantastic job. They're just not, I mean, Gemma's does a great job. She's not given enough time to, to none of the characters are given enough time to breathe and do what they need to do. And so you're right. It is sad. Um, so that's the problem I have with this film. Um, it, you're right. It probably wouldn't have been on my radar. Um, if I hadn't had a ticket and gone and seen it, but yeah. Yeah, no, this is usually the kind of movie that I have to have fucking fight you. <laughs> yeah. And I would have fought you after, if you had made me go see this film, and I, th- I would have gone and fight you. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, I like them just because I think, like you said, I, I, I think because we live in a time where people are less about the, we didn't have people like this in our day, and we're like, we did. He's still here. His name is Ian McKellen. Let him do his thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always interested to see them getting set in movies that are like pre post World War One two, especially when it's in their own home country. And uh, I, I like I like tales of ambition and deceit, especially when you have somebody who's as capable as being cutting and cutthroat, and then you know you know sweet and coquettish as Ian McKellen is. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like this movie needed more room to breathe, which is slightly disappointing because I was. I'm still going to watch it because it's Ian and, and I like Gemma as well. well She's growing well, up. Yeah, and that's, what, and that's the thing I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people say, yo, if you're coming for Ian McKellen, watch, if you want to see an Ian Kim, McKellen character film, watch an Ian McKellen character film. Go and watch it. That's what this is because I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm seeing some of these um, I'm seeing some of these uh, 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 um, uh, uh, reviews kind of say that 
he's the only one that's, that's doing their character any justice. Like it's not them. That, it's not their fault. It's the it, it's the uh, 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 it's the script. The scripts they're given <coughs> aren't doing them any favors. The scripts that they're given aren't helping them out any in doing this. So yeah, it, it's he's the only one that's given enough of a character to really dive into and really make it something. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of sad because I, I think that this could have been a really good film. Um, I, I think it's also the thing of it's, it's, it, it, it thinks that it doesn't need to, to, to really develop the characters. Right. And so, yeah. Um, that's disappointing. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I mean, it seems to be kind of a trend, though, when you have... I mean, you're saying similar things or issues with the movie that's been built around Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. You've got this powerhouse star at the center oh. that people know can carry things, and then they have this expectation that that's going to be enough. And, you know, if you're not given enough runtime, or if you cut and edit too deep, or you don't give your characters enough room to breathe, or like you said with the um, Benicio Del Toro, there's problems with your script. Well, I, th- I think that's the theme of all the, most of the films, other than the last one I'm going to get to, that of almost all the films outside of Kill and Boy, Boy Kills World, that I saw where they, the films centered around, and it's sex to say this, they're white, they're, the male characters, can't say it's not white all the time, because we had Benicio Del Toro, the male characters and everybody else around them were just didn't live up to it, right? Right. That's what happens here. Like, you have some really great singular performances but you didn't get something that, that, that they got as a whole, right? Um, so, we'll end on some better notes on that. So, the last two films um, were definitely not that. Um, first one, Rustin. So, I did get to see so Rustin. Yeah, so, The Architect of the 1963 uh, March on Washington Bayard Rustin one of the greatest activists and organizers the world has ever known. <clears throat> he challenged authority and never apologized for who he was and what he believed and who he desired, and he did not back down. He made history and in turn was forgotten. Um, this is directed by George C. Wolfe, um, and it stars Coleman Domingo, Chris Rock, uh, Glenn Turman, uh, CCH founder, uh, Bill Irwin. Um, yeah, no, this film has a great cast. It is um, um, really well put together, emotional. Um, the uh, it does a good job of what some of these uh, these these black uh, civil rights films typically don't do, which it shows the internal fighting uh, that happens inside of some of these civil rights groups. And doesn't just paint this, oh, everyone's on the same page all the time, all, all, all good, all, always. No, it shows you the infighting. It shows you the fact, it brings up the fact of, you know, women being left out. Uh, the fact that Russin was gay and that this was being used against him by not just, you know, those outside the movement, but those inside, inside the movement, right? The... The the big thing of Roy Wilkins not fucking with Rustin, right from the from the NAACP, right? Like they do a good job of showing that, which is something you don't, right? And they do it in a way that doesn't make it seem like it's oh they're putting them down. It's like no, it's like hey, you can be on 
you can have people that are fighting for the same thing but don't agree and and also some people that are are, are also a little racist or misogynistic and things like that but sometimes I have to put that shit aside because they got a bigger goal and things like that um, I mean, unless you're Roy Wilkins and you just have enough control to say we're gonna take all your good work from you and then we're gonna bury you. Well, so they, and then they, I'm gonna act like I ain't do nothing wrong. Well, so they, they, I mean, they they left that part out at the end, so they because they don't go into why he was buried after the march on Washington. They pretty much end there, but yes, um, but they do start with the whole thing of you know uh of the the march that Rustin was trying to get in in L.A. with 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 uh uh martin luther king jr and how that got shut down how he got on the outskirts of the movements after that right so they get out they they do show a lot of that stuff in there um so i think that that was um i I think it was really good i'm not a fan of some of the music and soundtrack choices they did in some of the more serious moments of this film um those kind of were a little bit took me out a little bit um and then coleman domingo was just he put in a fantastic performance. Right. So, I mean, that makes me happy to hear. I know people made a big deal. Really? They didn't know whether or not. Yeah. You know how folks are. Yeah. No, he's, 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 he's great. I mean, he is engaging and yeah, he, he, you, you really feel for Rustin in this film. Um, and so, yeah, I think he does a great job in there. Um, it's not a critique of the film, but I will say it's going to come out when I say this about the last film we watched too. Uh, something about watching this film with mostly white people, it just uh, it it annoys me. Not well, not this one as much as uh, oh, the other one. I'll, I'll say that that comment for the next one. But the one thing that that is not a fault of this film that just drives me crazy with these films is when they end is. Any sense of pride and accomplishment you feel kind of goes away because you're like, well, shit, we're still doing this. We're still having to fight this fight, right? I, I think, again, not a fault of this film. I do not want anybody to think that I am shitting on this film because of that, not saying that, why are you keep making these films? Not doing that. I'm just saying, real talk, after watching it, you're just kind of going like, well, shit, why are we still doing this? Why are we still fighting this fight? What has changed? And then I'm watching this film going like, well, shit, can they even show this film in Florida? <laughs> you know? But that's why I'm glad it's being made, and I'm glad that the things that you're saying about what they did in the movie are great. I'm not trying to say that why Roy Wilkins was homophobic. He was, as far as I know, he was not. It was about what he was willing to stand up for and what was willing right. to defend. And I think that speaks to why this movie needs to get made, because those things right there are why we're still doing this. Like the dismantling of unity, the the idea that homogeny within the community is the only way that we move forward with exceptions within society. Um, so I'm 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 happy. I'm not happy that you came away and then realized you were surrounded by white people and um, had a sense of dejection that you're still in a world where we're all pushing ball up the hill like Sisyphus, since that's the you know. Yeah. the reference of the night but I, I i'm glad here that you talked to, that the movie really kind of dug into the sticking points that were designed mm-hmm. around bayard rustin living his life and not feeling like it, he yeah. needed to bury who he was in order to be formidable and and what it was is it, it, you're right they don't make it homophobic it's more about the lines of some of the civil rights movement is, is that thing you're still seeing today is they were trying to go the route of 
policy and making laws and things like that. And it was like, they're doing the cold calculation of, well, is how's it, even if I don't care, how's that going to look at the general public? Is that going to give right. us less people coming in? They're doing the cold, hard math. And not the, is that kind of thing? There's the idea of having to have the balance of your heart and soul and versus the cold, hard reality of what human, human beings are. Right. And plus, you know, around the time they were also fighting the pervasive belief that the black movement wasn't actually black people, that all the black people were just fronts for, you know, China or for right. Russia or for some other organization that was using black people as stoolies. So when you have someone like you, I mean, to defend Rustin and all of his things means you're also having to defend draft, draft dodging. Right. He was a Quaker, so he was a past. past right. Player. So there's also that. Uh, so like, yep. So he was a hoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Bible Belt, that means oh. you now are talking about defending promiscuity. I will, regardless say, of who you like to get down. I will say that's one thing. I'm like, my dude, my dude. I need you to stop being so much of a hoe. Like, like no, this one thing. Was, like, oh my like, dude, it's one thing. It's one thing to be gay. It's another thing to like. Can you keep your dick to yourself? Like one dick. The answer dick, to that dick. appeared to be no. No, even when it shouldn't have been. Like, there's one more. Yeah, I was just like, dude, you're killing me right now. It's like, stay away. What do you mean? Well, no, you can't say, like, dude, 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 this is a bad idea. Like, the white boy that was with you telling you it's a bad idea. You should stay. No. Like, there's a moment where he had told uh, the one, there's one, uh, one dude, one of his ex lovers to basically, like, you know, stay with him, but, like, keep me out of trouble, right? So when he when the uh, white boy comes home and sees he's with somebody that he knows is a married uh, black pastor, he's like, "All right, yeah, cool. What are we doing tonight?" He sits down. The he's like, "Like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's going on, Rustin? Yeah, you, you. What, what are we? What are we having for dinner tonight? Because it's like I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you chill here tonight with this dude that you know is gonna. This is a bad mistake. It's like, come on, dude. Are you that big of a? Come on, come on, my dude. Come on." But I, but I'm glad it's in the movie because yeah. we, and the, like, okay, like I saw something earlier today that apparently some white people have discovered Ida, Ida B. Wells. I don't, I didn't know she was missing, but you know we are in the time of Christopher Columbus for all things, and they're all gung ho about it. They're like, she did this, and you know she did this before Rosa Parks, and she was this person by the time she was in her twenties, and she did it all as a Republican, and you know, but, and I'm like. She left the party when the party became the party of racists. Don't do that. But so the story of Russin is important. And mm. I'm glad that you came away conflicted. But I'm also glad they didn't try to make him prettier than he was. Russin was a hoe. Right. Yeah. Like, it, like to the detriment of other things. Like, you know, it didn't right, make him a, a complex and yeah, compelling figure. But it was like, it was like, dude, right now, when you're, you're just, you're getting back in. You're just now getting back in. You're just now getting... What are you doing? Like, no, you're in the middle of doing this big march. Now's the time for this. Keep your dick in your pants. Like, this is the wrong time for this. At all. It's like, no, no, I'm going to do it anyway. Just... Yeah, so... But no, so that was, that, was, that, was, that was a good film. So definitely see that when that comes out. I think that's coming on Netflix as well, right? Yeah, so, in November, it hits Netflix. I'm yeah. thinking it's also probably going to get a theater run. Um, yeah, it, it will. It's because this is an awards movie um, because these are the kinds of movies that black people can make that we can confidently step forward and say here, Mm -hmm. but it's also George C. Wolf. So 
I don't see them letting I don't see him not letting them at least give it the two week run it needs to be awards eligible. He's Ma Raimi's black bottom. Yeah. He's the immortal life of Henry Lax. Yeah. He's the guy, yeah. you know. So he's brilliant. So the directing was good too? Yeah, no, like the directing of I mean, it. Like I said, the only problem the only only complaint I had was there's sometimes with the music musical choices I was like, eh, not sure if that's the one I would have gone with. But again, minor, minor, minor complaint. Okay. Minor. Um, and so, and that leads to the final film I saw. Final film I saw, it was the best film I saw at the film festival. Um, might be the best film at the film festival because it also won the People's Choice Award. Uh, American Fiction. Um, it is directed by Core Jefferson. It is written by Core Jefferson. Stars Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, John Ortiz, Erica Alexander, Leslie Uggams. Uh, it has um, Issa Rae in it, uh, Sterling K. Brown. Basically, everybody's in this shit. <laughs> Everybody came to work. Everybody came to work. Um, this film is great. It is... Okay, uh, let me see if I can get the synopsis of this. American Fiction is... Uh, Core Jefferson's hilarious pictorial debut, which confronts our culture's obsession with reducing people to outrageous stereotypes. Jeffrey Wright stars as Monk, a frustrated novelist who's fed up with the establishment, poverty from black entertainment... That relies on tried and offensive tropes. To prove his point, Monk uses a pen name to write an outlandish black book of his own, a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and madness he claims to disdain. Um, the film is a satire not only about books, but as films as well. Um, this is where I was kind of making that comment about how watching a black film like this with the white audiences is interesting because I felt like the audience was laughing at the jokes as if they got the real joke. But they, they probably didn't, and they didn't see the real joke in here. Um, the the reason why this film is so good to me is that the whole thing here is like Core Jefferson, the black author. Uh, I mean, not Core 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 Jefferson. Um, Jeffrey Wright's uh, what the guy's name? Uh, the um, Monk Ellison, right? Thel- Thelonious Ellison. He's the writer. He's a black writer who writes just about things. He doesn't write just about black things. He just writes. He's a black author who just writes. Um, but he's in that thing that we see nowadays where people are like, well, I want something more black. And so one of the, um, Issa Rae is a writer who, I can't remember the name of the book she writes, but it's like, uh, Weez lives in the ghetto. Yeah. Weez lives in the ghetto. There we go. That was the name of the book. Um, and, you know, when you read, it's like, it's got the uh, AVE in it. You're just like, oh my, God. it's just, it's so that. And like, he gets so fresh. So he turns around and he writes his own book. He, he, he makes up a pseudonym. He makes up a, 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 a fake, uh, a, a fake person who's in currently on the run from the law who writes this book. The book's name is called fuck. <laughs> oh no. And yeah, and so you can imagine how it. So and and what it is is his whole thing is he's talking about how the the only thing we can the the, the images that that that's propel up are these images of the struggle the, about the black family and all these things are happening and 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 you know dad's not there and 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 um you know uh, um the uh, uh, 
you know, you, you know who your father is or you're, you got trouble with the law. You got all this stuff going on right there. And that's what, you know, are, are written in these books. And that's what everybody wants to talk about there. What makes this film satire makes it so good is, and why I say it's not just about uh, what's happening in, in film is, and this is why I feel like the white audience might have missed this, is when you watch this film, you get the black family experience and story that you don't normally get in in most films. You get the distant but successful child. That's the loneliest monk. You get a father, a black father, who who died and committed suicide, but had these other uh, had had affairs, had all these other things going on. You have uh, one of the um, Sterling came Brown. Uh, he is um, monk's brother, gay, dealing with homophobia in the family and. And internal to the family, um, dealing with the fact that Monk is distant and he learned from the father about not opening up his feelings and emotions and things like that. You like, you get all of these things, these complexities of a black family. You get with watching this film here, with there, on. But it's like the way Core Jefferson tells the story. The audience is getting that without knowing they're getting it, right? You're getting this black family, that's complex, successful black family, who isn't made up of <coughs> drug dealers <clears throat> and criminals, but they have these complex issues. They have the daddy issues. They have uh, trouble with things going on, things like this. They have promiscuity. They, they have all these things happening there, right? And so it's a very, very compelling story. And it's funny, right? Um, there's a scene where he's starting to write the book and uh keith david shows up and they're and they're they're as he's trying to write the story they're trying to act it out as he's uh like acting it out in his mind and things like that it's fucking no. hilarious. oh it's fucking hilarious dude it's fucking hilarious um no i've really really enjoyed this film i think this is a good film it's a good satire but it's one of those things of like even eventually when you get the confrontation between him and Ethan when he's commenting her on her book and stuff like that it's not even one of those things of like yeah so you shouldn't be writing that shit it's all uh, some of it's also like well no that is real people those are that's, that's those are real stories too right and so it's a i i think it's been a very it's it's a very very well put together uh film especially for this being court jefferson's first directorial debut that that this is this swinging for this is a home run out the gate like i wasn't expecting a lot from it um, but yeah, no, I really, really. I mean, but we love his TV work. He's master of none. He's watching yeah. he's the good place. Yeah. He's succession. Yeah. Yeah. No, no TV. But you know, you know, TV work doesn't always trans transition to. It does to, for black people if they want to get a movie. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Valid. And again, he has a great enough cast here that does like a really good job at putting together. And I think the, the big thing to me is also about, you know, um, you know, even for successful black people, you know, being true to your emotions and being open to who you are and being true to who you are, right? That's something that um, I think is, is a very key thing. And yeah, so I think I think this was this this is definitely something to check out. And I told uh, this is one of the ones I told Brandon if he had to pick one to see that I saw at TIFF, this would definitely be the one. So I got so many texts. From people covering TIFF saying American fiction, top your watch list <coughs> for the fall. 
period in the story yeah do we have a release date i think it's november sometime okay because so. it's an mgm property and thus far knock on wood they haven't done the dumb studio thing of well we're just going to deprive you of movies if we can't you know make you care about them the way we want you to care about them by making you care about actors instead of the movie but yeah no i mean everybody associated with this project seems to be like really money like even the editor yeah there's there's no there was no bad performance in this film like it's even there's even a moment here where they're pitching the book to the white folks and mm-hmm. again because he can't beat he has to you know one either do it over the phone or beat some white people that don't know who he at one point he's like is he gonna know who i am he's like dude you're 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 a writer nobody knows who you are like it's fine you're you're not famous you're not that famous like his, his agent tell him he's like you're not that famous um and even then it's just like the way that the white people act in this is just like so fucking ridiculous you're like of course this is how they would be it's like oh we love it like he was like i'm I'm tired of this thing that's why he decided to change the name of the book and then when he gives them the new name they go on mute and, and they come back we love it we're like oh my god are you fucking serious right now are you serious well like, no okay see i've never read um erasure the percival everett book that this is based off of but now yeah. i feel like i might need to before i see the movie just because it yeah this, yeah both the movie and the book are straight up five star reviewed across the board already yeah like i said i i think i think this the, the humor the satire and the pieces of this are are definitely worth it but to me it's also the aspect of the black family that it mm-hmm. also goes into as well that um i think are important that you, these are also again. It's a quiet way of showing you that film that people say they they don't want to see. Well, you kind of get it a little bit here. I love Jeffrey Wright. I'm happy to see that he's getting to do something that lets him kind of go full range of all the things he's capable of doing. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, so that is all the films i got we actually this is why we couldn't do the insane check today because it was basically two hours or an hour and a half of us talking about all these films so um but yeah i I'll mean do some you, of these you, and you things saw like that. a pretty good nice little snapshot <coughs> of what festivals offer even though you kind of yeah. kept it low-key no it's i did and that's what i try to do i try to keep it a little bit of a little bit of everything um this time so i think this will be kind of how i do this going forward not Try to do it all, but just try to keep a, a good, a small snapshot. Because then anything I miss, I don't want to see again anyway. So it's fine. So there's that. So, um, all right. Uh, again, stay tuned. We got some more movies coming out that we'll be talking about soon. Um, and like I said, stay out for some of my review, my written reviews of some of these films as we get closer, uh, to some of their release dates or I uh, get more free time. So, um, but yeah. Thank you guys for listening so much and keeping out for these films when they come out. So until next time, we're out of here. Peace. Peace.